Welcome to The Liberating Secret with your host, author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. The Liberating Secret is dedicated to revealing the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Let's join Sylvia Pierce for today's lesson. Welcome to The Liberating Secret. My name is Sylvia Pierce. Glad to be with you today. I'm doing, I'm doing my chart presentation. The name of it is What is Man? And I'm uh, on chart 21 uh, so far. And I think there's we've got about 60 to go. So or we've got about 40 more to go. So don't worry about it. I do like to take my time when I'm t teaching this. So um, I, hope I, I hope I am redundant <laughs> because I think this is so very important to give. Um, let me read to you what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, but it is for your sake it's your, and to make you safe. In other words, keep you refreshed in the truth. And that's basically what we do. That's why I don't mind repeating myself. And I, I, I have to. The Bible does that. The Bible's got one story and it repeats itself over and over in many different ways. In story form, in doctrinal form, in prophetic form, in poetry, you know, in songs, you know. So, um, but it's basically saying the same thing. And I think that's exactly right. When God wants to, you see, our minds have been blinded with satanic ideas, false ideas, and vain imaginations of what we think reality is, what who we think we are, who we think God is. You see, we have to be renewed to the mind and have to be reminded of what the truth is. And, you know, I teach um, a woman's retreat at Polly's Island twice a year in March and also in October. We just had our March uh, session, had a wonderful time. And, um, and I've been doing it for, um, I think, 23 times, I think about 11 or 12 years. We've been doing this twice a year. So, um, and sometimes I think, gosh, I'm kind of just saying the same thing. But because the, uh, the precious women that come, they come over and over and over again because they're being refreshed in the truth all the time. The truth refreshes us and uh, builds us up. It's edifying to us. That's why um, teaching really is prophetic. It's really prophesying and prophesying they say, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says it's the greatest gift, and it's not just foretelling of things in the future, but actually edifying and building up the body of Christ. And I feel like that's exactly what we intend to do. This is a great joy to bring you, to you what the good news is. If, the gospel, if your gospel is not a good news because you feel like it's Christ plus a whole bunch of added things, uh, requirements that you have to do in order to keep yourself or be right with God, then it's not good news. It's bad news because it's too much. It's too laborious to even try to maintain all those different rules and regulations and how I should or shouldn't be. But it's wonderful to be free in Christ and to know that he lives in our he lives in us and he is my very life and uh as i come to him 
uh, and worship him as Lord and Savior in my life. My precious husband always says this. He said, I knew Jesus was my Lord and Savior for um, many, many years, but I didn't know he was my life. I thought I had to live my own life, and it was pretty miserable. But now I've got a new man because he knows that Jesus uh, exchanged lives with him at the cross, and uh, he no longer lives, that Christ lives in him. And so when he, he doesn't worry about how he witnesses to people because he, he said it took a great burden off of me to realize that I don't have to worry about what my words are, if I'm saying the right thing or not, because the Holy Spirit will certainly, you know, get across to the other person what they need to know. He knows what they need, but I don't, my husband always says. So that's so great. But um, uh, verse 21, or chart 21, actually is, the name of it is the, the Satanic I Will. It's a rebellious I Will. It's Satan's rebellion. And uh, that's where it started with him believing he was an independent self doing his own thing. Well, I've got news for Satan. God is sovereign and uh, nothing slips by God and he doesn't, he's never blindsided. He um, actually can take evil and mean it for his very good and he does. So, um, sorry Satan, you're never really independent from God's eternal purposes because he'll weave and work all your evil deeds and evil works uh, into his eternal plans and that's that's what makes him God. But anyway, sir, Satan falsely thinks that he is independent and just doing his own thing and exactly what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And um, so, um, and let me read to you this chapter, this uh, chart 21. Satan has stolen God's creation away to make for himself a kingdom of servants, expressing his perverted nature of self for self. And I, uh, the rebellious I will that first perverted Lucifer infected mankind in the garden and is the same I will that Paul struggles with by trying not to covet in Romans 7 and is the same not my will but thy will be done, that Jesus relinquished in the garden. This satanic I will is thankfully the same I that was crucified with Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago, defeating the satanic rule in mankind. Hallelujah! Talk about good news. That is really good news. Let's move right along to the next chart, which is chart 22. Why does Satan still have dominion over us Christians? Good question. And we're going to bring that out. I call, uh, and the, uh, let me just read you this, because if you're a radio listener, you don't have these charts, unless you write me, and I'll be sure to send you a copy of it. If you will email me at sylviap at thelibratingsecret.org, I will, and give me your address, your um, home address, then I will mail you a copy of this. So, and you may give me a little donation if you would like, because it does cost to uh, make copies of these. But anyway, um, let me read to you what this chart says. Why does Satan still have dominion over us? And like I said, I call God's people God's dysfunctional family. Poor thing. God has such a dysfunctional family. Why? Because we're not functioning from the Spirit. 
we're functioning from our flesh. That's the problem. I have a friend, Steve Pettit, a great man of God, preaches and teaches all around the United States. He lives in Gainesville, Florida, has a church there. And he says, we don't really have a sin problem as much as we have a source problem. We're drawing from the wrong source. That's the truth. That's what makes us dysfunctional. We're trying to draw our sufficiency from our flesh, which can never be. That's why we fail most of the time. Now, this chart 22 says we are dead to sin in Romans 6, but I still have a performing me that tries to do good. Why is it that Romans 7 is in uh, right in between Romans 6, the great chapter that's really like our last will and testament. It tells us that through the cross we've been delivered from sin and Satan's dominion. And we're, uh, and to, we're to recognize it to be true, but yet right in the middle of that great declaration is this valley of Romans 7 that goes to the very bottom because, because independent self is so deep and the lie of independent self is so deep in our consciousness that we have to go to the bottom of, of that self-reliance really is what it is. We have to go to the bottom of our own self-reliance. We have no idea how much we depend on ourselves and not on God. And so God has to take us to that valley. And even though we might know these great truths that we died with Christ, we were raised with Christ, and we no longer have the satanic nature, as long as the Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, your mortal flesh. You have a mortal flesh where Satan can still have his due in us. Well, what it, what is that? It's not in our spirit, but it's on our flesh, really. And uh, it's because I'm believing a lie, and I'm living from the lie that, um, and, and, and Paul says it well when he says, when I try to do good, evil is present with me. So me, the human me, trying to be good apart from the spirit of righteousness, which is Christ himself, ends up being evil. You would think, gosh, how many people would believe that? I mean, I go by church uh, um, when, I, when I see billboards outside of churches and they say, try, try as hard as you can. It's almost like a sin if you don't try. But the Bible is actually saying the evil's present with me when I do try. <laughs> so there has to be something opposite of what's being taught. Trying is not the answer. Performance-based acceptance with God is not... Uh, is not God's answer to it. I mean, I think that's what Christianity has been inundated and that's with, and that's a lie. That is a lie that permeates a lot of Christianity. It's what keeps Christians defeated. And so trying to do good by self-effort is the very root and sin of the Christian. You know, Christians say, well, I sin every day. And basically that's probably true if you're trying every day because you, the, the sin is really trying. And from your trying, you're really trusting in your own self and not trusting in Christ. And because when you're resting in Christ, you're not trusting in yourself. When you're trusting in yourself, you're trying. When you're trusting in Christ, you're resting. You see, move into the rest of the gospel or the rest that is available to the Christians. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 is saying. So when I try to do good by self-effort, that is the sin of the Christian, which is far opposite of what you're hearing a lot of the times in Christianity. Well, then I go to the next chart, which is chart number 23. 
And it's, it is, how did our older brother live? Well, that's a good question. Who's our older brother? Well, the second chapter of Hebrews says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brother. So he's our brother in Christ. He's our older brother. He's, um, he's uh, the first from many of many brothers. So uh, it's Jesus. Now, how did Jesus function? That's the point. See, it's not that we don't have Christ. We have Christ. But how do we function? Is it going to be by me trying and striving and failing most of the time? Or in my own pride, do I think I should and could have the sufficiency to live the life? And am I, not, am I going to be hypocritical and not admit that I'm failing most of the time? Or am I going to put on another face when I go to church and one face when I'm at home and I'm not going to be real? because I'm embarrassed with a lot of things that I had? Or, or am I going to be honest? Uh, somebody said one time, the Christian's either going to be a hypocrite or he's going to be honest about himself. If you're honest, you'll do exactly what Paul did in Romans 7 and fall on your face and say, oh, wretched man that I am. Left to myself, my own sufficiencies, I'm wretched. Now, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has delivered you from that body of sin, which is Satan in you. He has delivered you. So, but why does Satan still have power over us? That's what Romans 6 through 8 is about. How Satan still has power over you. Okay. And why didn't he have power over Jesus? Well, Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh, but hath no power over me. No, no place inside me. How? How did Jesus learn? The Bible says clearly in Hebrews, uh, it says it twice, that he was made perfect through the things that he suffered. He, so he experienced an evolution of coming to his completeness in, in God. He himself had to do that. And it says he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So Jesus himself, the man Jesus, because he was son of man, son of God, well, the man, Jesus, had to learn obedience, learn how to believe God, inner, uh, the, the, fat, the inner act of believing God inwardly, you see. Um, and he did that through suffering. Well, outwardly, uh, Satan was poured on him in such a way that, so because Satan outwardly is trying to get him to function apart from who he really is. That's what the wilderness is about. So Jesus went in, was Jordan, was baptized at the Jordan River, the Son of God. But then he was led and driven by the Spirit. Most people don't realize that. Read your scripture. Satan, I mean, God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And believe me, the Spirit will put you in the place to be tempted by Satan. Well, you say, well, God doesn't tempt anybody and I agree with that James agrees James says that God doesn't do the tempting but he drives you to the place where you're going to be tempted you have to be tested why well the son of man had to understand what it meant to be a man and what does it mean okay I know I'm the son of God I, I got that confirmation in the Jordan River but how to function as a man in a human body that is susceptible to satanic attacks and Satan, you know, talking to me and uh, telling me lies. How am I going to function? Am I going to function by trying to improve myself and trying to resist Satan? 
or am I going to function by the Spirit? That's the point. And of course, he never sinned. So he never moved out in his own self ever to ever function by his flesh, which would have been sinned. He functioned by the Spirit. So he lived by the Spirit. He drew his answers when Satan came to him those three times. He drew his answers from the indwelling Spirit within. The Spirit answered out those lessons because he didn't even try to resist the devil himself. He did not try to do anything. He trusted, that's the point, and rested in the fact that the Spirit was in him. And yes, he was tested. He had to be because the first Adam fell. He fell under Satan's attack. Now, the last Adam, Jesus, had to go through the same attacks and had to stand wholly dependent on the Holy Spirit alone. And that's what he did in, in the wilderness. And, and after he came out, he was weaker than ever, ever before. And the angels had to come and minister to him. But at the same time, he got his anointing as son of man. He got his confirmation in the Jordan as son of God. He's got his anointing as son of man. And the, and, the, and the righteousness closed his outer humanity and anointed him to preach the gospel. But how did he function? What did he say about himself? John 5, 17, uh, 19 and 30 says, Of my human self I can do nothing. So of my flesh I, can, I can't do anything of myself. I can't do anything. And, and John, um, how, did, how did our older brother um, live? John six fifty seven says, I live by my Father. I'm not living my own life. I'm living by the life of my Father. You see, this is absolutely opposite of what we think in Christianity. We think we're greater than Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you couldn't do anything in and of yourself, but I have all these requirements that I'm required to do, and so therefore, I can do them. Sorry, you can't do them. Well, that's not what we think in Christianity, but that's how we act. You see, we should go and really, you know, people say, uh, uh, doesn't the Bible say imitate Jesus? <laughs> yeah, it sure does. You know, one time I was doing a meeting in uh, Lubbock, Texas, and there was a woman there. She was there to confront me. And, um, and I knew that she was going to be there, and I knew the Holy Spirit would answer her back. And she said, she raised her hand, and she says, now, wait a minute. The Bible says, somewhere in the Bible, it says we're supposed to imitate Jesus, and we're supposed to be just like him. And, 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 uh, and uh, we're supposed to do all the good things that he did. And I said, oh, and the Holy Spirit gave me the answer just like that. I said, oh, that is so right. We are to imitate Jesus, but we don't know how. Let me read you the scriptures. Jesus said, of my human self, I can do nothing. The life that I live, it's not my life. The words that I speak, they're not my words. The works that I do, they're not my works, you see. I'm not living by my own understanding. I'm living by the wisdom of God. I was anointed with the wisdom. You want to imitate Jesus? Then that's how you do it. It totally shut her up. Of course it did, because I read nothing but scriptures. That's our authority. That's how Jesus functioned. Okay, back to the chart 23. John 14 through 10 I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Jesus didn't have his own life. That's John 6. His own works, John 14. His own words, that's John 12. His own glory, that's John 8. His own teaching, that's John 7. His own will, that's John 6. His own name, that's John 5. His own witness, that's John 5. 531. And my goodness, if you don't believe it, look up these scriptures. See, if you really want to imitate Jesus, function the same way he did. 
and live and walk by the spirit of truth that's in you, which is Christ, which is the Holy Spirit of God walking within you and, and uh, fulfilling the law through you and by producing the fruit of the spirit. What is the fulfillment of the law but love? We can't love. The human being can't love in and of itself. I'm going to dislike and hate people around me right and left, left to myself, but I'm not left to myself. So from my human standpoint, I feel like I don't like people. And that's okay. I'm, I'm not condemned about that. I don't even think that's wrong. Why? Because actually that negative dislike gets me in gear to what God wants for that person. Really causes me to pray for them most of the time. So I even like my negatives. I like my temptations because it always reminds me of the opposite. It's a good opportunity for faith. And I have a great friend that lives in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. His name is Brad Anderson. And he always says that is an opportunity of faith. And you can, you can, you can bet your life on that. Every negative thing that comes in your life is really an opportunity for you to believe God. That's true. Now, so Jesus himself, the human Jesus, had to live by faith. Jesus didn't operate as if he had his own life. His power source came from the life of his Father. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Do you understand it? That's what made him so precious. He had to live by faith, just like we did. He had to walk to the cross by faith. He had to live every... Did he always think, am I doing the right thing? Maybe he didn't always think that. Maybe he was tempted to think, maybe I'm not... I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But he always went to his Father for the answer. So flesh always starts off negative. That's okay. Jesus himself had some negativity. He had temptations. He was tempted in every way except without sin, uh, excluding all of sin. He was tempted, though, in every way. So he had thoughts that it, he didn't like this person, and he didn't like that, and he hated the Pharisees. Okay. He says, well, yeah, I hate what they're doing, but I don't hate who they are. Because they're made in God's image. They're just misusing themselves. They're letting the devil misuse them. And so he had to live continually by faith. He had to forgive, just like we have to forgive. He had to forgive the Pharisees. He hated them. He called them the devil. He knew he hated what they were doing. He didn't hate their person. You see? He wanted, he cried over them. He says, I want you to hear me. I want you to know I'm really, your, truly your Messiah. But you can't hear so, um, and so I'm going to have to prophesy against you and say, you will not hear me until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So any messenger that comes in the true name of the Lord, if you receive them, you will hear from Jesus. That's what, that's what he's really saying. And so, yes, Jesus agonized over his, um, over his brothers. He said he came to his own in his own refused him totally rejected him why would they that why would they succumb to a messiah that was born in a stable and you know raised in the worst part of their communities nazareth my goodness why in the world would they believe such a person well he says if you can't believe me believe my works what did he do i mean he raised lazarus from the dead he fed the five thousand two or three times he walked on water. I mean, what are we going to believe? He transcended um, this earth. Really, he did. He transcended uh, water and, and can walk on it and actually pulled Peter out until he started looking down. You see, he spoke words of life to his disciples. He said to them, I want you, he said, um, if you're going to come after me, you have to drink my blood. 
and eat my flesh. And I thought, wow, that was pretty provocative. What in the world could he mean by that? But yet, he didn't cut them any slack. And he said, are you going to uh, turn around and go the other way? Because many of his disciples turned around. They thought, what is he, a cannibal or what? What is he talking about? You see? And uh, many of his disciples went away. But, his, but Peter and the rest of them said, but Lord, you have the, the words you speak. They're life to us. We, we don't understand you wholly. We don't even understand what you're doing. And, and really, remember the time that he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He didn't go around even telling his disciples who he was. He did at the woman at the well. I mean, she was a Samaritan. She was a half-blood. She was part Jew and part Gentile. And he, he didn't even tell, he told her that he was the Messiah. But he didn't even tell his own disciples. He made them figure it out themselves. Well, how did they know? Because one time he did crazy things, and the next time he was healing people, and one time, see, he was blowing their minds all over the place. And, and Jesus will do that today. He'll blow your mind, but he'll speak to your heart. And a true minister of God will blow you away in your mind, but, but the truth will, will pierce your heart like an arrow. And you know it's the truth. When I started hearing this truth of union with Christ, I knew it was true. I heard it from an old missionary came to Louisville, Kentucky, way back in the 60s, 1968, somewhere around that time, maybe 67, 68. I heard him teach, and he, and, I had, and he was English. His name was Norman Grubb. Maybe some of you all may have heard of him before. He wrote tremendous books. We offer some of, some of them on our website if you would like, if you're interested. But when I heard him teach, I had no idea what he was saying. And it really was blowing my mind, but something deep in my heart drew me to what he was saying. I knew it was the truth. And so I could pick apart the things that he said with his words. And people can pick apart the things I say with my words. Maybe I'm not as clear as I could be. Maybe I'm not a great speaker. Maybe sometimes I stumble over things. Maybe sometimes I don't get everything exactly perfectly clear. But read my heart. Read what the Spirit is saying to you through these programs because they, this, this program will tr truly, and the teachings behind this program will truly set you free. Now, isn't that what you desire? Isn't that what you want as a child of God to know your liberation in Christ? Do you want to walk spontaneously just being free and trust in Christ to be your life, to be your words, to be your works? Do you want to live the rest of your life trusting yourself and failing? Or do you want to spend the rest of your life trusting Him wholly as the indwelling person within, as the divine man within, Jesus within us? The whole mystery of the gospel, Colossians 1.27 says, is that Christ lives in us and is the only hope of glory. The only hope we have in this world is the life of Christ within us. You have been listening to The Liberating Secret with Sylvia Pierce. We want to send a special thank you to all our supporters who make this program possible. If you have been blessed by this program and would like to contact Sylvia, you can write her at P.O. Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. That's Post Office Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. You can also find more of Sylvia's teachings on her website. The web address is www.theliberatingsecret.com.
That's www.theliberatingsecret.com. And be sure to listen again right here, Monday through Friday at the same time, for The Liberating Secret with author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. So until next time, may God richly bless you.